Live. Yeah. From the Tech Talk Studios in Miami, Florida, it's Data Jocks of Talk. It's Tech Talk. It's Tech Talk. We're live from the FCA conference in beautiful Miami, Florida. And as always, I've got my very own data doc of talk, Dr. Jay Greenstein. Jay. What's up, brother? Hey, man. It is Friday. We are doing something very special today, aren't we? I love this, man. The, the FCA, they're always blazing trails, and they're always taking innovative ideas and actually making them happen. Did you, uh, did you go out and eat last night? Or? I did, yeah. Me and uh, Cindy, Dr. Cindy Howard and I went wow. out. Hit the you know, town when it had a little had a little chow, a little tapas in Miami. You know, it was really good. Cindy is an interesting person, isn't she? If she has still our number one highest tech talk listening uh, that it is. And if you've not heard Dr. Cindy Howard, go back into yeah, the archives of Tech Talk. Listen to us. You'll be shocked uh, what what Poodle Doc here does <laughs> talks about. And, uh, it's a no-filter podcast, people. Come on. It is no-filtered, yeah. It probably don't want to let your kids listen to it, but it is a fun time. We have a great time. And, and again, Friday uh, Friday morning, uh, live coming to you every week, uh, various subject matters, and have a good time. We hope that you'll join in. Uh, if you've got questions about how to get onto that, we're on Facebook. You can go to Tech TechTalk-Healthcare-Technology on Facebook and find us. Wait, wait, wait. I just got to give you a shout out though, because like I, people need to know this is Here really important. The payback. Brad does. No, it's not payback. All this technology stuff, like, you know, that he's really good at, of course, he puts together the boards, he mixes all the sound in, like he does everything. I just show up and talk. It's great. It's awesome. But he does all the hard work. So we got to give it up for Mr. Brad. Koss. Hey, thanks, Jake. You know, I have a lot of fun. When I was a kid in high school, I was a DJ. He's got a great voice for radio, too, right? Like, it's perfect. And we've had a fun time. We've learned a whole lot. I don't know about you, but we've talked to some amazing guests. And and, and we, Jay is very well connected, is the way to tell. And and really, when we take a poll and survey of our audience, they're mostly females. They they really like the hair. And so it seems like they're very attracted to that. <laughs> See, Kate, Kate even is laughing in the background. She's just laughing at me. <laughs> Mainly, yes. <laughs> Listen, I met Kate uh, back in our podcast. I did a lot of studying uh, of her before that podcast. I was very impressed. And then yep. when we got her on the air, she, listen, she may be a young person, Docs, but this is a person you want to listen to. We're going to talk about customer service and customer service from the perspective of risk and those kind of things. You need happy patients. And and even though Kate's not in healthcare, Kate is in an artificial intelligence company that helps people with their clients and success. And so the term customer service is an old term. I've stopped using it altogether. So uh, we're going to talk about customer success. So Jay, why don't you formally introduce our next guest? Uh, I would love to. Yeah. So, so this is my pleasure to introduce Ms. Kate Eccles. She's, she's amazing. I, I've met her because uh, my technology company, Kaizenovate, has partnered, and Kaizo Health also, our clinics, has partnered with Boodle AI, which she is the vice president of customer success. And she's going to explain what that means, but it's really important 
as it relates to the context of risk management. Because guess what? Do patients sue the doctors that they like? No, they don't. And so when you create an environment in your practice where you're driving great outcomes, but also great experiences, all of this ties back to, you may not realize this, but all this ties back to like the, the elements of customer success. And Kate is like the, the world's leading expert as far as I'm concerned. When I have a, a problem and I need a shoulder to cry on, I'm always like emailing and calling Kate. So Kate, welcome. It's great to have you back on the podcast. It's great to be here. That is one heck of an intro. I don't know. I, I don't know about that. Um, world I do. expert, probably not. Probably not the most accurate. So, audience, it, he likes to he likes to puff us up a little bit. But uh, I'm really excited to be here and really excited to help shed a little bit of light around how we can create the best experience for all of your patients. That's awesome. So, Kate, because Brad did mention both customer service and customer success, those two things are different. So, could you do us a favor and just help us understand the differences between those two elements? Definitely. So, when we're talking about customer service, historically, we're thinking about that call center um, where when you have a problem, you're going to go and you're going to yell at somebody and they're going to give you a solution. Um, It's a reactive approach to a challenge that your customer or your patient is facing. And because it's a reactive approach, you're always going to be on the defensive. You're always going to be trying to backtrack and figure out what went wrong and where you need to shift gears in order to make things right again. On the flip side, customer success is the idea that if we can get ahead of things and if we can understand what those ideal outcomes are for our patients and our customers, we're better able to intentionally construct an experience that drives them towards that outcome. And we become proactive rather than reactive in the way that we're in the way that we're working with them. I love that. Intentionally, you've got intention behind the customer experience. And uh, this reminds me of a good friend of mine, Joey Coleman, who wrote the book, Never Lose a Customer Again. Um, He's a customer experience expert. And there is literally within his book is a construct of the journey that customers and our patients can take to drive a really thoughtful and remarkable customer journey experience. And by the way, I believe he is going to be one of the keynote speakers at National in August. So for all of you who want to hear, like literally, he's literally one of the world's best speakers. I mean, I've heard him speak at a bunch of entrepreneurial conferences and he always gets the award of best speaker. But if you want to hear like just a remarkable speaker, come and see Joey at National in August. So Kate, when it comes to customer uh, success in healthcare. What are some of the tricks, or what are some of the the um, the the goals, or some of the elements that our doctors can create for their patients to drive like the most remarkable experiences? What are, what are some of the things that we can teach them today? Fantastic question. Um, so I'll actually reference something that Mark mentioned in his section right before this. Um, when we're thinking about the Cures Act, it's it's putting things back in patient hands, identifying what the patient wants, and making sure that their needs and what they are looking to do is at the center of the experience that we're creating. When we're thinking about how we can create an experience for patients, it's taking that same mentality. Just like we're putting the data back in their hands, we want to 
to put the experience back in their hands? Are we reaching out to patients in the way that is most aligned with the way they want to be reached out to? Are we touching them where they, where they are? Are they online? Is it um, a preference to phone, email, paper, whatever it is that your customer base is looking to um, have at the core of the relationship that you're building is where you need to go. And making sure that you have that deep level understanding of what not just their communication preferences and the experience that they're looking to have, but the outcomes that they're looking to drive towards are key. So having that conversation, walking into your practice on Monday and saying, do I truly know what the long-term outcomes that each patient is looking to drive toward are? Because if you're not, then you're going back into that reactive. Your, your individual consult with a patient is going to become reactive based on what they told you, not maybe what they're actually looking to drive towards. It's so true because the immediate response that a patient will give us is like, I just want to be out of pain. And so a deeper question that we ask in our practice is, okay, that's great. We want to help you get out of pain. And what is it that pain is preventing you from doing? Because that's really the brass tacks. It's, it's the things that pain is preventing them from doing in their lives that they want to be able to do that really matters to them. And then as we construct their care plan, it's very directed and personalized towards achieving those goals so that we can help them get back to their normal life and, and even better. So Brad, you, you've definitely experienced kind of the customer success elements in your business. I mean, you deal with so many people in healthcare, patients and providers alike. Yeah. And you excel at it because I know I'm a customer. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's nothing like having a call center uh, to uh, hear complaints because they never they never call to say, hey, you're great. You're great. <laughs> we love you. We love you. And there's no problems. Just had a few extra minutes during the day. I wanted to reach out and tell you that that just doesn't happen. So, you know, after talking with Kate, we, we were already on a pathway to to try to improve customer service. And I think in the industry, we have some of the best support that exists. So we took our, we had our data scientists from our analytics look at, at hundreds of thousands of call tickets that we had. And they, and I had them identify the top 10, Kate, the top 10 issues that people call for. And I said, let's, let's come up with those solutions. There's let's be proactive. So the minute the customer calls with an issue, we know what the answer is going to be. We know how to get them to that level of success. And that's really what we're talking about here is stop being so reactive. Be proactive. Know the answer so that the patients, the clients have success when the call is over and it's done, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. And even, even going beyond that, it, yes, it's important to, to be able to get them um, the answer that they want, but even more than that, make sure that you're building a relationship and, and creating that connection, because that's what's going to build the trust that's going to be necessary for them to continue to open up and share the why, the outcome, the, the journey that they're hoping to go on. Yeah. Um, we have this thought in customer success where there are levels of why. They, when you ask a, a patient a, a very basic cost question, why are you here? They're going to tell you pain because that is that is a top level why answer because they're in pain. Digging deeper, understanding the root cause. What is it stopping them from doing in their life? What is the impact of changing that is really the driver that's just a step below that. Because if you can understand not only the problem and the pain that they're feeling, but what it's preventing and the impact of changing that, then you've got this partnership that you can work off of. And that drives that proactive relationship moving forward. 
I love that. And I think it's really important now because Brad mentioned data and analytics, and we've been talking about it a lot today. Maybe, Kate, you could talk a little bit about what Boodle does and how artificial intelligence is really just changing the game for not just healthcare, but like for all of us in our lives. Definitely. Um, so I'll, I'll take a step back first. One of the things that you, you've discussed a lot today is this idea of big data and what the possibilities could look like if you're not just looking at one patient, but you're looking at tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of patients, and you have the ability to identify trends and similarities. Um, that type of analytics and, and having the ability to look across that large of a data set is often the difference between identifying um, a trend that you can become proactive about or treating each thing as its own unique instance. Um, Brad, you just mentioned the fact that because you could find the top 10 answers, you're able to now create a process and create a more streamlined and efficient manner for getting your patients to where they want to go. Um, when we're talking about analytics, that's exactly what we're doing. So at Boodle AI, what we do is we provide enriched analytics that allow you to identify specific groups and trends in your data, as well as the enhanced data points that we provide um, in order to drive you towards a specific outcome. Now, that can be something along the lines of identifying who you can, who your best customers and patients are so that you can market to them. Um, um, knowing who, in the case of my work with, with Dr. J, um, identifying who their highest margin patients were. And from there, being able to take it a step further and say, okay, once we know what your highest margin patient looks like, now let's market to those people because we know that they're going to go through an entire series of care. Um, having the ability to identify who those individuals are, see the trends among them, and then target them is the difference between whether or not you're going to stay with a very small practice or be able to scale and, and really take advantage of the big data that's now available to you all. Yeah, it's been remarkable working with Boodle AI and, and, and seeing the depth of data that we're able to evaluate and understand what we're doing from a marketing perspective and reducing our risk of spending a bunch of money and wasting it versus being very targeted and precise in our approach where we can actually drive better and better results over time and bring in the types of patients that are perfect for our practice. So it's just really cool to be on this journey with you guys. And you all do remarkable work. We also uh, did a podcast with France, who is the CEO who's, who works with Kate. That was a great episode. If you have a chance to check that out, I highly encourage you to do it. He's a, he's a U.S. veteran. He's, he's fought for our country. He immigrated um, from Vietnam at a very early age, and he just has this remarkable story and just a super great guy. He was actually the person, Brad, who I think ended up helping you coin the name Poodle Doc because you pointed out the That's picture right. of your poodle, poodle on your I wall. I had a poodle in the background. Yeah. And, uh, he was the first to make fun of you and call you. That's, right. That's right. So that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty much like France. So Kate, talk to us uh, about your kind of vision for the future as it relates to the use of artificial intelligence with healthcare and also how we can apply even greater levels of customer success um, throughout healthcare. It doesn't have to be just chiropractic because we know our, our US healthcare system is a freaking disaster. So like, tell us what your thoughts are of how we can leverage these technologies and these practices to drive better uh, experiences and outcomes over time. Definitely. I think 
I think the healthcare system has this really negative connotation because we've taken our focus away from the patient. We've taken it away from the patient and we're focused on policy and, uh, and revenue and how we can, how we can focus on this much bigger picture rather than the person sitting in front of you. Um, so when we're thinking about how we can, how we can change that, it's really a matter of, looking back at the person sitting across across the desk from you. Who are they? What are they looking for? And how are we using all of these incredible tools that are at our fingertips today to drive them towards what they're looking to what they're looking to accomplish? If you are able to get to the fastest outcome with that one patient, you're going to be able to duplicate it with many. It'll eventually get you to those big pictures that you're looking for, the revenue, the scale, all of those things that as as people in business, obviously there are these bigger outcomes that we're looking to drive towards, but you can't do any of those without each individual patient. Um, so making sure that we are leveraging data to understand where we can streamline the process, leveraging the customer experience and customer success practices to create the experience that your patient wants, and then being able to replicate that at scale, that's, that's going to be the key. Um, because if we can put all of those pieces together, then we've got this really fantastic journey that the customer or, or in this case, the patient is on that's getting them exactly where they need to go. It's fascinating to me, Brad, because it's like we're taking all this aggregate data, all this information, applying data science, artificial intelligence, machine learning, et cetera, which actually allows us to drive such a better experience for that person, as you said, sitting in front of us. It's like this dichotomy. It's like this two-sided coin, massive amounts of data and analytics on one side, person sitting in front of you on the other, and the technology marries the two together so importantly. So I love that, Kate. I'm really curious for the doctor's that are out there, and even for me, because I always learn from you, when it comes to how doctors can actually set, doctors and their teams can set up a customer success process in their practice, could you just shed some light on, like, what are the steps that they could take Monday morning where they could be like, okay, we're going to build out not a reactive program, we're going to build out a proactive program. These are the first three things we need to get done. Definitely. Well, the first one goes back to what we've been talking about all day, and that's data. You can't build a, a program or, or create a process where you don't understand what the actual process looks like today. So first is gathering data around what your customer actually experiences every day. What, do, what does that patient experience look like from the day they find you to the final time they walk out your door? What does that process look like? And actually mapping out each step that they take, each interaction that they have with you and the sentiment associated with it. Is it a positive experience? Is it a negative experience? Is it a point where it could shift one or the other, depending on how you and your team approach that particular interaction and looking at where your, your key moments are? Um, there's going to be a series of, of key points in that journey that will allow you to really pivot the overall sentiment around your practice one way or the other, identify what those are, and then make sure you are knocking them out of the park. Um, if you don't have the data around what your customers are looking for, one, talk ask. to me. I can help. <laughs> Two, yeah, yeah, ask. Okay. <laughs> Shameless plug. Um, and then once you have once you have that understanding, start making small changes. It doesn't have to be this multi-step three-month overhaul of, of everything that you're doing. It can be as simple as, hey, we've been communicating via phone. Would text message be easier? 
That change right there can be the difference between you capturing a new demographic and you missing the mark. Um, and there are very simple ways that we can approach this. It's just a matter of having the data and understanding where you need to go. I love that. I mean, I'm mining our data all the time and Brad and I can geek out on data all day long. I think one of the questions I have for you, Kate, as, as folks map out the process, and I love the, the concept of like, is this positive or is this negative? I think about new patient paperwork. It's a freaking disaster. Oh, Patients I hate it. We hate it. It's just a disaster for everybody. So, so if you were to encourage providers to accentuate the positive, make the positive even better, or try and fix the negative, which sometimes can be really difficult, like new patient paperwork, um, which, which would you encourage them to do? And maybe it's, maybe it's not a positive or negative that they're working on. Maybe it's more like, maybe there's other variables that they need to be thinking about um, of which lever needs to be pulled to, to enhance that process step. So maybe you could just talk a bit about that. Definitely. So I don't think it's a matter of looking at focusing solely on the negative or solely on the positive points. Because if you do that, then you're ignoring the potential data that, that is in between. Um, it's a matter of which, which steps, positive or negative, have the biggest impact on the overall experience. The Love patient that. paperwork, yes, it's awful. I despise going to new doctors because of new patient paperwork. It's horrific. It's not actually going to stop me from going because there's an outcome that I'm looking to drive towards. Now, if you can make it more fun along the way, then great. But that's not actually going to be the key driver for me as to whether or not I choose to go with your practice versus another practice. So in, in that case, yes, that's a negative, but it's not necessarily the driving force. Um, instead, we want to look at where the, where the pain points are that we can have an impact that will differentiate us from those um, that we are competing against. So if I were to take that a step further, it's not about filling out the new patient paperwork. The key differentiator that we're, where we can have an impact on whether or not I'm as a patient coming back is the waiting room often. Um, what is the experience when you walk in the door to the practice for the first time? Yes, you have to fill out the paperwork. It sucks. We get, the, we get past that. But is the experience in the waiting room something that I am okay with having? Is it loud? Is it a, a weight that is taking forever? Are there, are there areas where um, we're adding convenience for me, even if I have to wait a little bit longer? Those are the things where whether or not it is a positive or a negative is going to shape the way that next, that, that they interact with you moving forward, not whether they're filling out the paperwork themselves. Does that help? Knowledge, oh yeah, that's awesome. Knowledge bombs right there, Brad. Knowledge bombs. Listen, this seems like the appropriate place to insert. Last week, I was having an x-ray done on my knee. I had to write my name five times. I had to insert my email address three times. I had to put a date six times. Oh Please. That's a and and <laughs> I had given them my insurance card when I walked in and it had all the information on it. So Listen, patients get frustrated. I'm sure I'm not the only one with that oh, experience. No. And when you're trying to do it for one of your parents or your siblings or stuff, it, it you know, my phone, I, I have a whole notes section on all of that information. And why can't I just transfer that to them? I mean, that's where technology and trying to find those pain points is a great example of how we, that we can change that. Kate, as you know, we're in the we're in version two of our redevelopment of our of our app, and and these are these are the very specific pain points that we're talking about. Like we are engineering this in our next version so that we can fix and address these issues to drive a better total experience for the patients. But 
it, it, it's not an easy challenge. It's, it's, a, it's a bit of a challenge, but we, but we will get there because ultimately at the end of the day, when we can increase the total experience that the patient is having, we know the outcomes are going to be better in total. Absolutely. And, and it's hard. I mean, I know change is, the, is, is an extremely hard thing, especially with employees, staff members, and sometimes even patients need to change. Yep. Uh, but Kate, you made a statement to us last time that I thought was pretty important. You said the sum is greater than the parts. And, and that's really, aren't you correct? I mean, that's really what you need to keep your eye on when you're trying to change your staff, when you're trying to get to the point, guys, we've got to change. We can't stay in that same old rut that we've always done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it. Humans hate change. There's not a single person sitting on this podcast that actually enjoys change. Um, it's uncomfortable. I know. Oh, I know. I've, I work with you all the time. I know this, Jay. Uh, but that's the thing. None of us want to change because it's much easier to stay stagnant and to do whatever is most comfortable because as creatures of habit, change is scary, change is painful. Whether it is moving from paper to an electronic record system, whether it is changing the way that you're interacting with patients, it gets weird. You don't know what's <laughs> going to happen next. Um, exactly. I, I've got a post from, from Jennifer in, in the participants. Everyone likes to stay in their comfort zone. And when you stay in your comfort zone, you're not able to grow and your practice isn't going to grow. The relationship with your patients isn't going to grow. You're going to be stagnant and stuck there forever. So when you are working with your team on making these changes, you have to remember they're going to do the same thing. They're going to resist. They're going to wait. Um, every single tiny bit of change, no matter how small it is, is going to make a difference. So making sure that you keep that mentality, keep sharing with them. The Yes, it's a little bit of a change and it's going to feel weird. But if we can make these very small changes, that is all going to go into this giant um, improvement that we're going to see. And every tiny bit helps. The sum is always going to be greater than the one change that you as an individual make, because we're doing it together as a group unified towards this outcome. So how, how is the best way to go through and look and identify what are my pain points? What are the things that I need to change, Brad? Do you think most most doctors, most businessmen know what those pain points are. Uh, you know, for me, I'm sitting there looking at them all the time. Now, it's been pretty weird not being in an office and having a company working remote for a year, over a year now. Of You don't see those day-to-day things. But, Kate, is there a way that you could help doctors organize and identify? How do, how do I determine what my pain points are? What are the changes I need to make? Uh it's back to data, Brad. Uh, I mean, I will tell you that you don't have to be sitting in an office to find out what your pain points are. Um, I'll use myself as an example. I manage an entirely remote team in an entirely remote company, and I've never met a single other person in person from Boodle AI. And yet I am working with hundreds of customers and their teams, and I'm able to identify what the customer journey is, the pain points that they're experiencing, and where we need to shift because of data because I am capturing what the experience is for each of those customers, or in your case, each of those patients along the way. And 
that could come in the form of surveys. Uh, I got another post um, from JT saying that he's collecting feedback in a survey, um, getting that type of data and being able to leverage that as we're, as we're moving forward and as we're looking to change is key in order to be able to find those pain points. Um, it, you actually have a, you actually have a huge benefit that I'm honestly fairly jealous of because if it if I were in an in-person environment I could look at the I could look at the journey that the customer is taking um where what is the patient experience from the first time they hear about you to to when they walk out your door you know what that looks like sit back and watch um sit back and watch don't talk to don't talk to your employees Stick a plant in the office if you need to have somebody, somebody <laughs> else watch for you. If you know that you're going to walk in and everybody's going to be like, oh, they're watching me. I'm going to change what I'm doing. Like, Stick somebody in there and ask them what their experience was like. Um, go through and, and figure out a way to monitor what your customer experience is, is. And once you know what that customer experience is, your pain points are going to be obvious. Um if you, if you can't do any of that, if you don't have data, if you're not sure where to start, let's say all of your records are on paper right now, you haven't moved over and you're not sure where to, where to go. Think about the last time that you were the patient. What were the pain points for you? Because we are all humans. We all hate change. We all want to stay in our comfort zones and we all experience the exact same pain when we are going through new provider situations, new um, new vendors, the pain points are always going to align. So think about what your experience was. Yeah. So leadership's obviously a big part of this. You know, like you said, you got to sit down and watch people. It takes a leader. It takes a leader to do that. So talk a little bit about where there is leadership, where there's leadership failures, uh, advice. What, what kind of things would you talk about whenever you're talking about making these changes as a leader? Yeah, this was this was probably one of my favorite parts of our discussion last time. Um, it's all about building trust. So when we are when we are looking to implement change, when we're looking to shift people away from their comfort zones, um, it's all going to be about making sure that you are not doing this willy nilly. That there's a reason behind it. That everybody is aligned on what outcomes you're driving towards, and that they feel okay feeling vulnerable because we've discussed this at length. Change is hard and change means being vulnerable. So if you are not acting as a leader within your practice, as somebody that each member of your team can inherently trust and comfortably fail in front of, you're going to miss the mark somewhere because and this is not a reference to your to your hair, Jay, but you, you can't have a bunch of poodles that are sitting around and doing whatever you want. You need people at their most real with each and every one of your patients. So it can't just be, it can't just be sitting there and putting on a show. You have to, you have to make sure that they feel comfortable being real and going through and and sharing when they fail sharing when they're not comfortable, sharing when it's scary, because that's when you're going to be able to figure out how you get past that and how you get to the point of truly changing. You bring up such great points. And I, I just want to like tie it together, like in my brain and also for the audience, um, data, and we love big data, Brad and I love big data, but data doesn't necessarily have to be like massive data sets, right? You can collect data by doing exactly what you said, Kate. It could be observing your patients while they go through the process 
uh, in your practice. It could be doing uh, patient satisfaction or loyalty surveys, like I talked about this morning with net promoter score. It could be employee surveys. We just ran an employee survey in our company. It's called the Q12. And some of the scores were not good. And I had to be vulnerable and sit down with my team. Every single clinic, I sat down and said, okay, we're obviously missing the mark here. What do we need to do better? How can I support you all better? And it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't terrible. It was just like, there were simple things that we were not doing, or I was missing blind spots that I had to correct in order to deliver a better employee experience. Why is that important? And how does that tie to customer success? Because we know from large data sets, again, that patient satisfaction and experience is driven by employee satisfaction and experience. And the better experience you're delivering for your employees, the better experience they will in turn deliver to your patients. 100%. Um, you have to take care of your people, yep. your people will take care of you. It's, exactly. it's at the core of absolutely every business. I love this chat that's going on, um, with, with our participants, um, on the virtual side. Um, JT is, is going through and, and having this feedback cat, uh, set of feedback categories that he's getting um, to understand true outcomes from patients. Um, the goal, uh, to quote him, the goal is to let them determine where they want to take their health. You can care, but don't carry. It's such an important statement because you're going to craft this journey. You're going to help them along towards this outcome, but they have to be the ones defining the outcomes. It can't be you. That's how, that's how you're going to get to that fantastic experience. And then Jennifer, you said, how about a comment box? Comment boxes are fantastic. I will warn you that a comment box is very difficult to scale. Um, you're also only reaching one type of patient, and that is the patient who prefers to fill out a comment card. I can tell you that I have probably been to, I would say at least 15 practices that I can think of off the top of my head um, in the last couple of years between uh, I had a son, uh, we've moved, so I've had different different primaries and, and then specialists. And in all of those locations, I can't think of a single one where I actually filled out a comic card. So one of the things you want to think about is when you're putting together those, those types of um, feedback loops, is it the feedback loop that's going to get you the most bang for your buck? Um, in the case of me, you're never getting my feedback via comment card. Make sure you're taking a look at your patient um, group and, and who your target audience is. Create the feedback loop that works for them. But that's, that's true, Kate. That goes back to the leadership thing in my eyes. I mean, not only do you have to change your staff, you got to change your patients a little bit too and get them yeah. in a, an environment that they feel safe. I'm not a doctor, but I, I work in that level. On TV. Yeah, yeah, you know, I play it on TV. But you've got to give the patient a safe environment and the mechanisms for them to give you feedback in that safe environment where they feel comfortable or you're not ever going to learn anything from your patients. You're going to put them in a protected box that maybe they don't need to be in. Is that is that true? I mean, that's the problem I would think with putting a comment box is. Man, talk about the oldest way in the world that you could get feedback on it, but you should be able to have a blog or you should be able to have a mechanism where they can do a survey or something that gives you that real-time feedback and really lets the patient talk about the things they want. And then as a leader, Definitely. you've got to listen to that information and bring about change. Yep. Yep. I want to be very, I want to be very clear there. While 
I am not going to respond to a comment box and written feedback is not a method that if I'm your target demographic, I'm probably not going to respond to. There are going to be places where that is entirely appropriate. So I don't want to discount that um, entirely. I do want to make sure that we're, we're targeting the outcome to the individuals that we're looking at. But from a leadership perspective, whether you're getting it through a comment box, whether you're getting it through an online survey, if you are having them fill out information ahead of time, the goal is making sure that you can turn that and make that actionable. Don't ask your patients to be vulnerable and tell you what the worst part of their visit with you was if you're not going to do anything about it. Because if that was me giving that feedback, I'm never coming back. I already feel uncomfortable that I had to tell you that I had a bad experience. So you've lost me as a patient. You've lost me as a reference. And on top of that, you're not even implementing the feet. Like that is where leadership has to step in. And sometimes you got to stick your foot in your mouth and say, I screwed up. There's nothing wrong with that. You're human. And we're looking to change. Be comfortable being uncomfortable as a leader. Your people will follow. Great advice. As those are knowledge bombs right there, Brad. I love, I love that. Yeah. Okay, Kate, before we get completely away and get to questions, uh, the audience has been, virtual audience has been putting some questions out. Yeah, but good stuff. We've talked a ton about your company that you work for, Boodle AI. Uh, give us a little bit more about what Boodle AI does. Uh, just, you know, not that we're trying to market or anything, but where did you come this? And then, and then I want you to quickly talk about your journey. I thought it was pretty interesting how you, uh, you know, the, the podcast title that we had for yours was uh, elbow, elbow, elbow deep, deep in a cow. cow. And, and that's that everybody thinks that, but of course I, I use all the funny titles that I can, uh, but there was a reason for that. And what changed your mind? And I think it might be interesting to just, just sort of qualify who you are and, and what you're talking about. That was a really interesting journal for such a journey for such a young lady. Definitely. Uh, well, I'll, uh, uh, there was a lot of questions in there. So I'm going to start, I'm going to roll back a little bit and I'm going to start at the beginning. Um, so Boodle AI is an enriched analytics company. Um, we partner with nonprofits, commercial and healthcare clients to ensure that we are able to help you make the most of your data. Um, oftentimes we'll have customers come to us who don't have access to big data um, and they are walking in with nothing more than name email, home address, et cetera. And then we're looking for um, ways that they can turn their data into big data and then understand those analytics and be able to really identify trends within their, their leads, their patients, their, their customers. So we give you the ability to take your small data and turn it into the type of big data that allows you to really understand trends and create actionable paths forward for growing and scaling your businesses. Um, in terms of me, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it again. I'm really not that interesting, but I'll, I'll go through the story. Um, so I am originally from Boston, Massachusetts, um, and spent my entire youth there thinking that I was going to be a veterinarian. Um, 
as every five-year-old um, will tell you, they just want to play with animals all day. So I went on this big path towards uh, <laughs> really wanting to help animals. Um, that was going to be my, that was going to be my plan in life and everything was going to be fine and dandy. So went through, um, yay, Boston. Um, I love this. Um, so <laughs> keep the chats going with this uh, going through and, and, going on this journey of wanting to help animals turned into eventually wanting to help people. Um, and, and we'll talk a little bit about how that um, shift happened. But as I was going through um, way more years of, of pre-vet than I probably should have, um, I, I realized, and we'll title the podcast, Elbow Deep in a Cow, that it wasn't the path that I needed to be on. Um, I wanted to help, but I didn't, I didn't necessarily want to help in that particular way. Um, so <laughs> I, I made a shift and decided to um, look at other ways of helping. And so I, I shifted over into hospitality the way people do. Um, I took a part-time job at Starbucks that turned into a 10-year career. That's a whole nother podcast. Um, but learned all about what makes people tick and how you can help them to get to the outcomes that they're looking to looking to drive towards. Um, did a stint at Disney and ended up at a really fantastic HR company um, where my goal was to help people hire more top talent. And the ability to help people hire more top talent turned into helping them find more customers. So after five years and, and a lot of CS experience along the way, um, working my way up the ladder, shifted over into Boodle AI, where I have now been for seven months. Um, and we've had a really transformative um, period of time there. We're a very small early stage startup. Um, we've got 30 amazing employees who um, are, as far as I'm concerned, the best people that you'll ever meet. Um, and we are really transforming the way that small companies can use big data to, to grow and scale. Um, so loving everything that we're doing and the ability to, to really impact a lot of people in a lot of really exciting ways. Um, and excited to have you on board as one of them, Jay. It's been great. You've been a, an amazing friend and a great business partner. And I hope uh, the other docs out there take advantage of the amazing services that your company provides because this is the future and it's actually the present. And the more doctors adopting this critical technology of artificial intelligence to make better, smarter decisions um, will enhance their practice exponentially. Speaking of exponential, one of my favorite books ever is Exponential Organizations by Salim Ismail. And, and he talked about the constructs of how businesses scale and grow rapidly. And one of the one of the foundational tenets is that these companies, these organizations, these verticals are information enabled. And that comes from data, whether it's a survey that you're doing or data sets that you know we've shared with, with Boodle, being more information enabled is just making us a stronger company so we can impact and help more people. So I appreciate you so much, Kate. Um, as you know, you know you're, you're sometimes the shoulder that I kind of have to cry. I'll be like, what did I do? I screwed up. Something happened. It didn't go right. But you've just been great. And I encourage everybody out there to reach out to Kate, which we'll get to. We'll make sure that we have a way for people to get a hold of you. If you wouldn't mind actually putting 
putting it in the chat. Um, yeah. And then we'll also make an announcement for all the people here. That would be great. Um, I, I still want to touch on one more thing, Brad, if that's okay, because we had such a good conversation on the podcast around leadership and you spent 10 years at Starbucks. And, and I'm just really curious to know a little bit about, because talk about being proactive, right? Like you invest in your employees and the next thing you know, you've got a, a, a world-class billion dollar company. Um, what, were some of the, what were some of the things that they did in terms of leadership training and what lessons did you learn that could be translated to the audience today? Oh, fantastic questions. Um, so if first of all, if anyone in the audience has not looked into the way Starbucks approaches leadership, uh, please do. Um, there are some fantastic books um, that you that you can take a look at. I'm happy to share those with the group after the fact. But um, with Starbucks, the idea, and I can I can still state this from memory, the idea is aligning everyone around that mission, around that outcome that you're looking to drive towards. So even it's, I haven't worked for the company for eight years now, and I can still tell you that um, to inspire and nurture the human spirit, one company, one cup, and one neighborhood at, the, at a time is the uh, mission statement of Starbucks corporate. Wow. Uh, if you can get your people to deeply feel that connection to your larger mission, you're going to be able to scale and, and have success as a business. Leadership means making sure that you're all aligned and you're all paddling in the same direction. I've heard uh, our VP of sales at Boodle uh, tends to say, make sure that we're all rowing the boat in the same direction. Um, having that power and making sure that you're all aligned and moving in that direction is key to making sure that you're actually getting there. Um, more often than not, you're going to end up paddling in circles because somebody's going the other way. Um, so making sure that you're all aligned on those ideal outcomes. And then from a leadership perspective, um, Starbucks does a really fantastic job of not only making sure that you're feeling part of that larger mission, but also making sure that you have the tools, the trust, and the understanding of how to change human behavior to get yourself there. And that is what we talked about before. That's that vulnerability. It's making sure that you're building trust with your employees because if they don't trust you, they're not going to change and you're not going to change your practice. Um, so making sure that those keys are, are there um, is going to be the difference between success and failure in most cases. I love that. You know, there's a great book that comes to mind as you talk about trust called Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni. And, you know, the foundational element of having strong teams starts with trust. And so it, it's just it's just so important. And thank you for sharing that, Kate. Um, you know, I, I talk to a lot of doctors. We speak to a lot of doctors around the country and around the world. And it's really interesting and, and sometimes even unfortunate that many of these doctors don't even have a mission statement that they've written. They don't have core values. And I, I try and impart on them that this is literally your, your practice's DNA. This is who you are, what you believe, and how you behave. And like being able to reinforce our mission statement, which is inspiring and empowering a healthier, happier world, like that is our company mission statement and our people know it and they know our core values and we have a timer. So I'll, I'll shut up soon, but like it aligns everything that we do. And I'm constantly repeating those words and those messages. Like when we have a remarkable review from a patient, I'll just tie it right back to our mission statement. Hey, we're living the mission. Check out this review. And that does exactly what you just said, Kate. It literally gets everybody rowing in the same, in the same direction. And it makes pe people feel a part of our mission. They feel like they are, they are so aligned. In fact, one of our highest scores on the Q12 was, I believe in the mission of our company. And, and like, you can't ask for anything more than that. Well, if, you've, if you're a business owner and you lead people and you haven't stopped and sat down and come up with a mission statement, 
dude, that's where you need to sit down tomorrow night <laughs> and, and work on. Because if you don't have a clear statement of what you want to do with your business and drive your life and put money in your bank account and help people get out of the business and be a follower because you're no longer a leader. 100%. So, you know, coming up with that mission statement, it's not just beautiful words. It really is a direction that I, as a leader, want to take and take my company and go forward and help the people that work for me and help the people out there to change the world, Jay. And, and if you don't have that, that's where you need to start. That's the, put aside all the technology, put aside all the ways to do that. Pen and paper. Pen and paper, buddy. Write your mission statement down. This is what I want to do with my life. This is what I want to do to help the world. And this is why I exist in the world. And if you can't do that, that's where you need to start. 100%. Kate, listen, I want to give you just a second. We've got a few minutes left. Uh, I want to give you just a second to throw in here and sum everything up that you said. Give us a couple of words, a couple of, of comments to close out. And, and again, thank you for being with us on Tech Talk today. And again, uh, I always look forward to having you as guests. But sum up, sum up your experience of everything that we talked about today, if you would, please. Definitely. Um, so first things first, understand your patient's journey. What does beginning to end experience look like for you? You can't change it if you don't understand it. So make sure you're gathering the data points and the, the key areas of opportunity that will make or break that experience. Uh, once you have that data, make sure that you are creating a, a a community of trust, a community of openness, and the the reality that it's okay to fail within your staff. Because if everyone is understanding and trusting, change is going to be easier to come by. And once you have that change in place, don't stop. Make sure that you've got that continuous feedback loop with your patients and that you are continuing to iterate and improve because this job is never done. Never. never. That's beautiful. That's amazing, Kate. You rock. Thank you so much for being here. Spending Friday with us. We really appreciate you. And uh, I'm looking forward to connecting with you next week. Yeah. We may have a question out here. Let's okay, see. Cool. Do we have any questions? Yeah. Yeah. Let's open it up. Any questions from the audience for Kate? Man, we just saved you a $3,000 trip for an experience on the weekend of how to grow your business and customer support. <laughs> That's right. You know, so. Alyssa, we, we hope that you've learned a whole lot. We've got one question, I think, that for from you guys. Do we need to? Uh, you popped that up. Yeah, they did the quiz question. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was the customer success it, question. Number but two. I, question. But I answered it. It was number question oh, number you, two that I sent. Yeah. All right. Listen, well, well, guys. Hopefully, you guys got it on the chat. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, Jay. We're, we're back together, Florida, FCA. I mean, I can't think of a better uh, work vacation. And uh, being with my buddies here. And seeing a lot of friends. Yeah, seeing a lot of friends. I'm sure we'll have a little time at our normal bar time tonight. We'll have some bar to time. Talk about this. I hope you guys like this format. Uh, we're going to be doing this one more time, we know for sure, at National. And we've got an amazing guest there. It's one you do not want to meet. Katie Talento. Yes, Katie, yes. They want to meet her, but they... <laughs> it's going to be... It's <laughs> don't want to miss it. Don't want to miss it. Sorry. You're going to meet her virtually, but... Katie was uh, one of the highest levels that you can get in healthcare, healthcare policymaking. She was appointed by Trump as her, his national director of healthcare policy. And if you have any ideas of what goes on in healthcare, and you think reimbursements are terrible for you, Kate, 
lays it out wholly of why everybody thinks it's the insurance company, but it's the 14 people in the middle of that between you and your patient that are the problems. You will love this. She is a top-notch speaker around the world. She had a very important role in trying to change healthcare policy across the United States. Please join us when we're in Orlando for it and, uh, and, and, and learn from her and learn some of those reality pieces. Uh, with that, though, Jay, you know, Say it isn't so. I don't want to stop. Time is over, buddy. All right. Typically again. Listen, thank you for joining us at ACA. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, Mark, for being with us. We've had a great time. Thank you for our host, the Florida Chiropractic Association. Thank you for our virtual guests. Thanks, Kate. Always my pleasure. From myself, Brad Cost, my co-host, Dr. Jay Greenstein. Have a great day.